Episode 54. The one where we have a whale of a tail. The Theopaths Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo Whalers out there. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> doing good. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. Together we are the, the Theo Knots. Hey, man. Live in the studio again. That's right. Hi. This time with Wide, wide Angle. 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 <laughs> I don't have an echo, so I have to make my own. Yeah, we're not as professional here. So. Yeah, no. Hey, what's up? Hey, nothing much. Yeah, how was your week? Rainy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Have you built an ark yet? <laughs> I think I need to. Did you see that meme online about Texas? It's like uh, this guy who's dying of thirst. And it says 2013, 2014. And then next picture is Waterworld. It says oh, yeah. 2015 on I, it. It's, I saw that. I thought that was so hilarious and absolutely correct. Oh my goodness! It was a uh, it's a crazy week of rain we've been having. It it has been, man. I I can't I can't remember the last time I saw so much daggum rain. I don't know where y'all are at, but here in uh, northern Texas, we're about to float away. So uh, yeah, it's crazy. I haven't been able to put my dogs out in like two months because of the rain. Yeah, and the yards are just all growing up. Yep. Because no one can mow, no That's one can right. weed eat. It's crazy. It's uh, it's definitely, uh, and it doesn't have any sign of stopping in the next two weeks. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! Yesterday, I thought I was gonna blow away with that tornado coming around, and yeah, we had tornadoes near here. Yeah, like we did. Uh, fifteen miles away. We did. It's crazy. <laughs> and then, did you feel that like this gigantic like wind gushing? It knocked down a tree on my on my street, but man, it was it's creepy. Wow. Yeah. No, I just got a lot of rain actually, but it was a lot of rain. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Oh well, yeah. God knows what he's doing. Yeah, I guess. So, anyways, yeah, that's my week. We went to group dynamics yesterday, which is like this team building thing. Thing. Oh yeah, group. yeah. How'd really that go? Fun. It was good. We just played it a lot. Blacklight dodgeball. We shot each other with bows and arrows. It was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. With blunt tips, of course. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't dare dream of shooting any of the kids with bows and arrows. No. Okay, so anyways, let's change that subject. All right. Hey, well, I've got some of this. All right. Yes, we have voicemail. Woohoo. So, and I think you'll recognize this voice. You ready? David, Jeremiah. This is Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. What's up, guys? We just finished recording our episode on The Maze Runner. And there's an, there's an hour commute between uh, my place and Michael's. And in this hour today, and some other driving, I listened to uh, episode number 53 of Theonauts, Law and Christianity. Guys. 
for me, this episode was a huge home run. Uh, and I just, I, there's, there's one thing I want to, I want to ask you guys about. I want to get your opinions. <laughs> uh, you know, we, you know, talking about, talking about law, talking about God's law, uh, theonomy, and Jeremiah, that is how you say it, theonomy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> talking about God's law and, and following it and obeying God's law. And in the New Testament, we have, you know, the one simple law, I love God and, you know, the other ones like it, so technically it's one. Well, you know, love others. Now, that, that's, that's fine and dandy, but here's, here's my question. Even with this uh, regenerated, new, born-again self, should we still follow some of the traditions, like the feasts and the festivals of uh, the Old Testament? And I, and I only ask because this issue has been coming up recently in uh, my own uh, small little Bible study group. Um, you know, and a couple of us believe, hey, yes, we should, and another couple of us believe, hey, no, we shouldn't. And I just uh, wanted to get your opinions on that. Uh, if you if you address it in the show, I can't remember exactly where, uh, but I know you mentioned the passage where uh, Paul talks about uh, feasts and festivals. I just can't think of it right now because I, <laughs> I am driving, and I probably shouldn't be talking on the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just wanted to get your thoughts on that, guys. Uh, love you. Mean it. Uh, see you later. Awesome. Awesome. Who was that? Michael Jackson? Or <laughs> no, I'm joking, <laughs> dude. Brendan, it's amazing to hear from you, dude. I love you to death. That's a uh, that's a uh, good <clears throat> question. What he brought up, and you know, yeah, and if it it uh, it fits right in. To, I don't know if we actually covered some of those specifics or not. I don't about the feasts and the yeah. Well, yeah, and I I guess right off the top of my head, my answer would be. Why would you want to practice those uh, unless it was, you know, to to celebrate what Christ has done? Well, the point that was that's in that question is that's part of God's law, you know, and should we still do it uh, if that's what you know God wanted? Or, or the, I guess to kind of go with what we said in the episode is that Jesus is the fulfilling of the law, right? Okay, so all those things uh, were a shadow of things to come. Anyway, in Jesus, for example, Passover. Yeah, Passover had a very specific meaning, not only to the to the Old Testament and the uh, the Exodus, but it had a forward a foreshadowing, a picture of Christ of Jesus Christ as well, and that was fulfilled. And right. when Jesus is there at the Last Supper doing Passover, he says, "This do in remembrance of me." Uh, there's a lot of people that say, oh, that's the whole Passover. So he wants you to continue to do the Passover. Yeah. Um, others, most Protestant Christians, uh, see that symbolized through the Eucharist, as we talked about before, the, yeah, Lord's, the Lord's Supper. Supper. So um, I think that the problem is not necessarily should Christians do these feasts, but the question should be, should Christians bind these feasts? Right. Okay, because it was they were bound under the old law. Yeah. You had to do them. They they were a requirement. So the question for us today is is it a requirement? 
And I believe that answer very clearly through Scripture is no. Because we looked at several passages. If you were going to accept one of those things, just one, like let's let's even say circumcision. Circumcision still happens all the time. Right. You know, I mean, it it is a part of of American culture, just like it was the Jewish culture. Uh, But... If we got to the point where we were doing what the Galatians were doing and saying, hey, it's part of the law and the law says, and God wouldn't have asked it if we didn't want us doing it. and um, Well, Paul would call us foolish. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he did to the Galatians. Exactly. And he said, if you're going to stick to one of these things, you got to stick to all of them. Right. And if you're relying on one of these things to make you right with God, then you are no longer leaning on grace. You've yeah. fallen from it. And so the question to me, is, I guess the question to, an, to answer that question is not, should a Christian do these things, but is a, a Christian required to do these things? Because I think that answers clearly no. A Christian is not required to follow the tenets of the Mosaic Law right? Uh, or any part, however you want to divide it up. We talked about divisions of the law, but however you divide it up, it, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't fit. So, um, but does that mean you can't do these things? (laughs) And again, I, not that I, I would know, not that I would uh, say you can't, but I just wonder why you'd want to. And and again, like, uh, during, uh, the Easter treat, we, Took part in Passover. Yes, we uh, had a full blown Passover. Full pla- Passover did the whole seder. Yeah, and the whole focus was on again on Christ and you know the the picture and so uh, you know we use that as a teaching tool for the kids mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's fine. I don't I don't I don't think there's any condemnation. Oh, of course not at all. And what we did we did it to honor God, right? Which goes into Romans fourteen about. You know, that's part of one thing they were complaining about. Some of them thought, thought you had to do some of these right. uh, ceremonial things. Other people believed you didn't. Uh, you had liberty not to, and the truth is, both of them are right. It's yeah. where you're, what you're doing in your heart whenever you're doing these things. Are you honoring God with them, or are you not? Right. And so, I don't think that th- these things are required. But then again, I think there is some value in doing some of these things if you want to, in your heart, not work on Saturday to honor God. That's great because you're honoring God. Hmm. But whenever you get to the point to where you say, "Dude," It's one of the Ten Commandments. You need to do it. When we get to that point, that's where we're falling from grace, right. as it says in Galatians 5, because then we're pointing to a law and saying, you must do this because it was commanded of you. Yeah. When Jesus fulfilled that, whenever uh, he lived upon this earth and died on the cross. Right. We need to continually <clears throat> uh, be looking at Christ as the fulfillment of, of the law. And not looking back to the law and trying to to obey it and the customs. And again, when we say law, it, it, I, I think the customs, the feast, everything's wrapped up in that mm-hmm. uh, because there's one law. And yeah. it's, it's, well, in the Theonomist, as we were saying in the last episode, yeah. they don't necessarily say that these things justify you, that these things aren't what saves you. They still say that Jesus' blood is what saves you, and, and, and it is through faith. Uh, in His grace that does that, but it is the response. It is the the response of the sanctified heart 
to do these things because that's what God wanted. Right. Okay, so that's where their stance is. You know, I was reading up on uh, theonomy <coughs> even more after that uh, episode, and it was just shocking to me. Like, their whole idea is they want to, by force, take over the world. <laughs> right. And, and It's and, kind of Muslim, and, Islamic in its yeah, pri- in its, <laughs> it's almost goal. radical. But it's crazy that the, I, I don't understand how they can even uh, justify that uh, through a Christian mindset, which is all about love and peace, it has nothing to do with force at all. In fact, it has everything to do with humility, humbling yourself. Right. So I don't see how they can say we need to take over our government and we need to take over the world with this law, and you know, and make you know implement it uh, in the world. It, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. make it. That is. There's just, so many verses and stuff that just talk about uh, you're free. Yeah. But use your freedom, not as an opportunity to sin. Right. But I mean, it's so I mean, it's there's all this talk about freedom from law. Yeah. I mean, it's all through the New Testament. The response to it then comes out of that is he immediately comes out of Romans four and five with Romans six about being changed, about not being bound to sin, about not sinning that grace may abound. Uh, he does that also in Galatians. Right. Don't let this be an occasion to the flesh. Uh, so it's like the charge for the Christian is not to let their freedom uh, corrupt them morally. So don't fall back into immorality because right. of your freedom. It, it, he, there's no mention whatsoever in there about uh, you know don't let it don't let it draw you away from the ceremonial practices that God has instituted. Right. You know, there's no talk like that at all. And so uh, I, I think that you got all these Gentiles that are being converted. You got the Corinthians. If anyone needed to be taught how to do the the ceremonial things, it would have been them. Sure. And we have no record of them being taught that. I think some of the confusion comes in when you look at the like, for instance, the Ten Commandments, which is part of the law, but it's so focused. It is moral. A lot of that stuff's a moral law, like don't lie, don't covet, uh, right. Uh, you know, don't um, uh, have a or don't be adulterous. All this other stuff. Those are those are natural moral things. And actually, the Christian is supposed to follow that moral code. I mean, it's a, it, but it's a thing birthed into us, right? You know, to follow. It's not not something that's a written down mandate. It's, so, it's because of love now. Exactly. Love 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 dr- uh, draws us to those things. Right. So. Okay. Well, thanks for the call, Brendan. Yeah, dude, you're awesome. Uh, love fighting Christ in cinema, and uh, I haven't listened to the Maze Runner yet. Well, I didn't either, but not because um, I, I, I had not seen the movie. Oh, really? And I kind of want to. I have listened to their episodes whenever they talk about things we haven't seen yet. Right. Or I haven't seen yet. But uh, but yeah, I was thinking hmm, I may want to see this one. I, wanna, I think I'll hold off a little bit. Oh, until I see that. I had a Riley. Mentioned the other day, if you're listening to this, Michael or Brendan, that uh, he would like to see the Lion King done. <laughs> if you haven't done the Lion King, and I'm not sure the if you have the circle of life. Okay, whatever it is. All right, let's, uh, let's keep going. Uh, I got some news. Oh, by for the you. way, they're oh, they're yeah. doing uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be epic. <laughs> I love Back to the Future. <clears throat> yeah, it's a great so, series. All right, I got news. Let's do it. All right. And now, the news. <clears throat> I'm sure you all heard of the, the Duggar family, 19 Kids and Counting, on 
A and E. Yeah. Have you heard about what's come out this week and all that? Yes. Junk? Weird. Yeah. So apparently, this is this is what happened. Josh Duggar, who's the oldest of the nineteen kids, twenty seven years old. Um, apparently, when he was young, uh, around fifteen years old, um, that he um, forcibly fondled, sexually molested um, uh, five five of the Duggar girls. Mm. Um, and, uh, he, uh, he confessed it, repented of it. Right. This is his confess. He says, 12 <coughs> years ago, I, 12 years ago as a young teenager, I acted inexcusably for which I'm extremely sorry and deeply, uh, regret. I heard others, including my family and close friends. I confess this to my parents who took several steps to help me address the situation. Um, so he handled it way back then and it just came out. Lately, so uh, um, it's kind of crazy. the The TLC is uh, canceled. Yeah, uh, saw that the uh, series and are doing a research into it and all that. Um, he went public with uh, the statements and and report his repentance mm-hmm. and restoration from the family, um, and so. Uh, there are a lot of people that are angry, and, <laughs> but there are a lot of people that are coming out in support right. of the Duggar family, uh, <clears throat> namely uh, Huckabee. Mike Huckabee has publicly stated that, that he supports the, the healing of the, of the, the family. He states that uh, um, everybody sins, right. everybody messes up, and it's whether or not we repent uh, you know, and, and confess. And, and so, uh, so, so what do you think about it? Well, here's what I think. First off, he was a 15-year-old teenager mm-hmm. struggling with this sin. Uh, I think that he did act inexcusably. Um, I think he messed up. Being uh, raised in a situation where you've got nearly 20 kids. Of course, not all of them were born at that time. Right. But um, Well, by 15 years old, he has five sisters. Yeah, which, but, which means he's... He is strapped with a responsibility that most 15-year-olds don't have, which is looking after little kids. Yeah. And uh, beyond that, you know, the fact that he confessed, and this was back in the day he he confessed this to his parents. Right. uh, Sought repentance. His parents handled it. they handled the situation. They sent him to counseling. Mm-hmm. They worked out the situation. I think they counseled with the girls and all that. Um, and so it was dealt with right. and, and then dropped and left left alone. But <clears throat> media has a, you know. Oh, yeah, they're unforgiving. Yeah, has a well, choice of digging that back up. And I'm like of two minds about this thing, about okay. this one. And, and, here's, and here's why. I, I hear and agree completely. With that's with the side of what Mike Huckabee was saying, all this we've talked on the show about right. Mark Driscoll and things like this, and how we hold people up to an accountability level yeah. that is just too high. That we're all sinners and we're all going to fail, and we're all gonna, and we need forgiveness, we need grace, just like we get it. I'm there, hundred percent. But there's another side to this, and the other side of this is there's a business involved. Yeah. Okay. You've got a TV uh, company. That is paying the Duggars to for their lifestyle, for their product. 
right. to to give to to the world to put it out there in the world. Okay, so um, from TLC standpoint, they really don't have is it TLC or one of what, TLC. whoever it is. They've they've got a uh, they've got a business to try and run, and this is a product in their business. The only thing that bugs me a little bit is that if they weren't a TV uh, family, then I'd be completely with what you're saying. But because they are a TV family and they make their money off of this, yeah, I think that the right thing to do would have been to come clean with TLC about all of this when it was happening. Hmm. Because TLC has a right to know, hey, this is something that could blow up our product. This is something that can destroy part of our livelihood of what we're of the money that we're making or whatever so i thought it was you know when you read about how they handled it they handled it very internally you know they sent the kid to a personal friend for counseling they um they he i think he told a cop who was a friend of his who wasn't necessarily uh it was like three years later before actual police report was filed Hmm. and even then we don't know how much the network was you know involved in all this well was the network even around at this point though i don't think they were were they not was this not part of i don't think because they've been on the show for a long time well so i don't know i'm gonna google this okay well because that's a very interesting so anyway my point is not that, that that we should be unforgiving and that they they should be they're hypocrites or anything like that but i just think that you know if if you have even okay let's say it happened before the show and you're selling this to a TV studio right. that I'm going to put this on the air and we're going to promote Christian values and all this sort of thing. Would it not have been <laughs> very legitimate to say there is this dark spot that is in our past right. and we want to, to divulge it to you. So, you know, going in yeah. what could happen if this comes to light, because we know that the media is going to be unforgiving. We know that Christians are going to get slapped back as being hypocritical for you know this type of thing coming out, so I do think there's well, some responsibility there, right? And this is this is actually what happened. Just to get the the, the record straight on it, um, the series began in 2008, and this happened. Okay, in, this was after that. Then yeah, this happened yeah. in 2003, 2002. Gotcha. And uh, what what Jim? This is according to the police report. The initial assault pl- took place in 2002 when Josh was 14. Um, a minor girl told Josh's father that Josh touched her while she was sleeping. Uh, there was another incident in 2003 causing Jim Bob to consult with church elders. They agreed that Josh would enter a residential treatment program, but instead he was sent away to work with a family friend and home remodeling for several months. The assaults apparently stopped and, and ended by 2003. Right. So he did make the police report in 2003, but... Um, gotcha. He had handled. Well, it sounds situation. like all that was handled okay. Right. It's just that he, he, they need to report it. You, to you really needed to be absolutely transparent about this. Right. Going in, I would think. But okay, whatever. <laughs> I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not condemning them right. at all. Because uh, and it, I I totally agree with you though. They're selling a they're selling a product, a lifestyle. This is supposed to be a faith based product, and not only that, but it's it's kind of a detriment to the religious, to the Christian community, mm-hmm. uh, because the Duggars are put on this pedestal, right? Right. And uh, held as this, you know, Christian family. <laughs> well, this is just me, but I really don't want them being the representation of what I stand for either. Right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right. But even then, 
I mean, it because just, there's some weird stuff in I, that. I totally agree. But even, what they're doing. Even <laughs> then, it just uh, it escalates it even more whenever one of them's because they hold this uh, picture perfect right image of and then show you the bad side and you know this just gives more fuel for yeah, fire you know right. so it's a it's a sad thing um josh has uh resigned from the show uh i'm not sure if i well, think they canceled the whole they thing canceled it so yeah. it's done anyways but it's just uh you know one of those things a shocking uh uh reality and and so, anyways, um, my other news, uh, there is a movie coming out in 2016 I'm super excited about that I just learned about. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called Risen, and it's going to follow the epic uh, biblical story of the resurrection. It's going to be delivered in kind of the same dramatic style as like the Passion of the Christ. Right. Um, it's going to be... Uh, so the resurrection is going to be as told through the eyes of a non-believer, uh, Clavius, a powerful Roman military tribune, and his aide, uh, Lucius. And Lucius is actually played by, uh, what's the kid who plays Draco Malfoy? Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I forget his name. Anyways, uh uh, Lucius are tasked with solving the mystery of what happened to Jesus in the weeks following the crucifixion in order to disprove the rumors of a risen Messiah and prevent an uprising in Jerusalem. Basically, it's going to be like this detective noir happening <laughs> right around 40 days after Jesus resurrects, and they're going to go all look and, and see and spy, make sure that, you know, f- try to find the body of Jesus right. yeah. um, and all this. So it's going to be really cool. interesting. There's a, uh, if you go on the IMD, uh, website there's a trailer of it and it's it looks really awesome wow i'm super excited have, have about you been that. watching ad i have not what do you on, think about it i actually really like it really and and i was i was not i was not a huge fan of the bible miniseries yeah I mean, that's i'm glad I that it happened i'm glad it was accepted well and i'm yeah. glad that it got good ratings and all that good stuff because it's bible and i want bible in people's sure lives. absolutely okay but i wasn't all that thrilled with it i thought I'm just well, too I, much of a picky person. I watched Samson, <laughs> and that just I quit after Samson. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, <laughs> but what they're doing in this is more contiguous, you know, because it's it's just it's after the resurrection, and it it just follows kind of like in the Book of Acts, and it's been going. You know, you don't jump in time great amounts of time like you did in the in the bible series. right this is just a, a continuous story so i got the same characters week after week and i and they're actually giving you a chance for character development and you're getting to know peter and you're getting to know paul and you're getting to know uh a uh, pilot who still has a big role in what's going on right it's, it i think it's it's pretty good i'm i'd like to see it turned into a full-blown series really yeah i think it would be really cool all right i'll have to check it out because so. you know I, I heard a lot about it but i you know i just i haven't seen it i, yeah. I never have time i mean but, it's not 100 uh, percent accurate but it's, it's it's it follows it pretty closely it's, it's okay i'm kind of amazed by that too because mm-hmm. anyways um let's see ireland did you hear about this they <laughs> Yeah, they're first nation to vote in the full, uh, a whole nation, huh? A whole nation to vote in gay marriage. Uh, so they, uh, if you if you can't get married where you're at, you can fly to Ireland and get married. Apparently, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it won't be long. No, oh no, it, it'll it be, be everywhere. So. It won't be long. Yeah, 
Yeah. All right. Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. and then I, I I do have some uh, brothers and sisters come together. Hallelujah! The Pope is here. <laughs> Every time, I just love it. <laughs> so apparently, the Pope has been quoted that he hasn't watched TV since 1990. So for the past 25 years, the Pope has not watched TV. If you got to think. Okay. At 1990, that was when The Simpsons came out. <laughs> the X Files. X Files, yes. Finished, right? 2000, he hasn't seen a single episode of The Office or Game of Thrones. <laughs> Which, I mean, I doubt I the Pope would watch Game of come. Thrones, anyways. <laughs> But seriously, can you imagine? I mean, The Simpsons, which is the longest running television series to date, mm-hmm. and the Pope has not watched any of it. Right. Wow. <laughs> I just think that's absolutely amazing. So that was really interesting news. Um, also, there was a really good bit, and I lost the link to it. So if I, I mess it up, I'm sorry. But the Pope has called for a convergence uh, between Catholics and Protestants. And he uh, he said something like, "quote uh, The devil is the only one that uh, that separates the the Catholics and the Protestants, and they shouldn't be separated. We are one in Christ," is what he said. Uh-huh. So there's this big unity movement going on with the Pope and uh, and Protestantism. Of course, you know he's had he's had these summits calling in people like. Uh, um, the Purpose Driven Life's Rick Warren and right, other pastors right. to these summits to talk about family and, and Christian values and all this stuff. And so, so when is Vatican III happening? I don't know. Vatican III needs to happen, I guess, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, because you remember, you know, the kind of the source of, of the whole point of Vatican I and II was to say we're the only church. church. That's right. So it's like, uh, okay. But I guess, you know, the word Catholic means universal. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> So the Pope isn't Whatever. watching TV, but he's making a a, a, a stance on uh, <laughs> on the the Vatican. So nice, that's great. Is that all the news you got? That's it, man. Let's go fishing. All right. Oh, hey, are we going fishing now, or do we need to do? Uh, Oh, we'll do uh, we'll, we'll do trivia after the fish. Okay, shows that's fine. That's fine. So Let's go we'll fishing. just make, mix it up a little that's, bit. That's right. Uh, who are we fishing for? It's a whale of a tail, all right? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be talking about Jonah. Yes, Jonah and the big fish. Yeah. So the types and shadows moves on. Yes. Really interesting uh, story we have in the Old Testament. Yeah. So uh, why don't we first just kind of summarize what the, how the story goes? It's a short four chapter. Book out of the Old Testament. Do you want the VeggieTales version? (laughs) Sure. There's some broccoli involved. Yeah, there's got to be some broccoli. Okay. So this dude named Jonah, who's a prophet of the Lord, uh, wandering around in Palestine, right? Yes. Uh, He gets a a clear uh, hollering from the Lord who tells him to go to the east. Is it to the east or to the west? I can't remember. It would be west. West, yes. Go to the west. Uh, and go to... No, sorry. That would be east. So, never mind. Totally lost now. He did go west. Yeah. Told him to go to the oh, east. Yes, yes. And go tell them God-hating people in Nineveh to <laughs> repent 
<laughs> uh, actually, to tell the God-hating people in Nineveh that God was going to destroy them. Yes. Period. Because they were <laughs> wicked. Right? Right. And Jonah didn't like his assignment, and he said, Ah, oh, come on, God. You can't really make me do that. And God said, Yeah, go do that. And, and Jonah's like, Okay, I'm going to go to the West. And so <laughs> he hops on a boat and sails towards Tarshish in the exact opposite direction. So God throws him overboard with the storm. Actually, the sailors threw him overboard when Jonah right. admitted that it was his fault. And a whale swallows him up, right? It's a whale. <laughs> it has to be a whale because that's what all that's my the- children. The pictures always show, right? Right. And uh, swallows him up, and he lives in that belly for three days, like Pinocchio and Geppetto. And uh, (laughs) I'm a real boy. (laughs) And then is spit up on dry land. And he's like, okay, God, I get you. And uh, I mean, I imagine you would say the same thing if you were swallowed by a up. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so he heads over to Nineveh and uh, tells those people. And then he goes up on a hill and sits down and expects Nineveh to be destroyed. Gets a good seat. Gets a good seat. Pops his popcorn. <laughs> right smack dab in the middle, as Michael would say. Ready for the show. And nothing happens. He's like, God, what happened? And... And there's this whole thing with a leaf that covers him for, you know, and the silkworm that eats the leaf and all this blah, blah, blah. So in the end. And it has a happy ending, right? No. I mean, it just (laughs) ends pretty much. Jonah's like, why me, God? The end. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So all kinds of cool stuff happening in this story. We always focus on the big fish. That's right. But there's all kinds of of cool stuff that happens here. Um, Because it's a study on types, we want to look at Jonah as being a uh, type Type. of of more than one thing, actually. we're going to start because of something that Jesus said in Matthew 12. Okay. So I'm <clears throat> I'm going to be reading today from the ESV. Yes. Matthew 12, verse 40. Um, well, verse 39. But he answered them, talking about the Jews, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Um, Huh. So. Well, that's weird, Jesus. What are you saying? Yeah. So, um, Jesus compares himself to Jonah in a way here. And so, I thought we might look at that and see how we can see Jesus in Jonah. Okay. Okay. Besides the fact that their names are very similar in the original, yeah, they are Hebrew. very similar. But um, there, there's um, all kinds of stuff going on in here to set up the story. First off, this is 760 BC. Whenever it happens, okay, we're in the time of the kings, right? The divided kingdom, yeah. So uh, the king of Israel, okay, Israel is being the northern kingdom, is Jeroboam the second. Okay, so you can read about him in Second Kings fourteen. Um, so this is the, the the time frame of that. The Assyrians are the big major player, the the world rulers right. of this day, but they haven't got around to conquering Israel yet. <laughs> it's on their to do. And I think this has this actually comes into play with why uh, I think God calls Jonah 
to this mission huh. is uh, because um, God is focused on Israel, and He's calling. He's been calling Israel to repentance. You got uh, you've got Ezekiel and uh, I mean not Ezekiel, um, Elijah and Elisha. Yep. And these guys that have been working on the Northern Kingdom for a while. And and this this kind of comes into play right before that all is is happening, and uh, <clears throat> so anyway, you have uh, the story starts with with uh, Jonah hanging out in Israel. Now Jonah does the book of Jonah doesn't tell us where he's from, where his hometown is. However, Second Kings fourteen verse twenty five does yes. It says, uh, that verse says, He restored the borders of Israel from Lebohamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, the prophet who was from Gathheper. So Gathheper is uh, where he is from. This place is located in the province of what was later called Galilee. Okay. Okay. So, sound familiar? Yeah. We know of another prophet. From Galilee. Who came from Galilee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. So, yes. And and by all accounts, Jonah, this would make Jonah, besides Jesus, the only prophet who hailed from the province of Galilee. Wow. In fact, this... One little verse is the only verse in the Bible that would even give us an implication that there was another prophet from Galilee. Hmm. In fact, uh, when Jesus is having a debate with uh, the, the Pharisees, one of them even steps up and makes this bold statement. He says, they replied, are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Guy kind of misspoke. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the King James says that nothing good. Has come yeah. from <laughs> nothing good comes from Galilee. <laughs> but uh, could anything good come from that? So, place? so you have this is another thing that Jesus and Jonah have in common is that they were both from Galilee, huh. and even though the Pharisees didn't catch that, <laughs> not at all. Okay, so if we look at Jonah's call, he's told, okay. Go to these unbelievers and tell them that they are not right in my sight. Right. Okay. So because of an infinite love of God for the lost and wayward people, Jonah was sent on a mission of revelation, condemnation, and ultimately redemption. So that sounds familiar as well. Because that's exactly what Christ did. What Christ was done. He was he was called to be a messenger. Uh, to the lost, um, so obviously in the first in the second uh, verse of chapter one it says, uh, God says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And in First Timothy one and fifteen, Paul tells Timothy, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Hmm. So um, <clears throat> we see here another interesting thing about this call. Uh, usually, 
the a prophet of Israel would be called to prophesy to Israel. Israel, right? Okay, but who was the, who were these Ninevites? Who, they were non-Jews, <laughs> right? They, yes, this was the capital of what we were talking about—the world leaders. And they like to slap people with fish. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen Veggie Tales. It's a great show. I watch it all the time. (laughs) This is where I get most of my biblical information. (laughs) So so anyway, Nineveh was the capital of of the Assyrian Empire. Right. It was huge. Yeah. Um, There was over 100,000 people there. There it was the walls from uh, archaeology. We can see that the walls were large enough that you could drive four chariots side by side all the way around the city. Oh my goodness, that's so, big! Yeah, so this was a huge place. Yeah, um, and we see here that he's called to this massive amount of Gentile people. Right. Um, there is uh, an interesting thing here about uh, Jesus Christ also extended his message to uh, the Gentiles. And um, we see this when Jesus heals a centurion's son. Do you remember that particular story? Where the, right. The centurion comes the to centurion Jesus. The centurion comes to Jesus, and, and he says, uh, will you heal my son? And Jesus kind of pushes him away, and, and uh, the centurion says, if you even say a word, I, I, you know, I believe that my son will be healed at home. And, and Jesus says, greater faith of no man than the centurion, right? Right, here. right. So he... He, which was amazing because he's sitting there with all his disciples. Right. <laughs> he's like, I haven't found a faith greater than this in Israel. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> so, we're disciples. <laughs> so he calls out a Roman as having greater faith right. than any of these guys. Yeah. And uh, also we have the, the, the interesting story of Jesus when he's walking around in um, um, Tyre and Sidon. And runs across this woman who is begging for her daughter to be healed. Right. And um, oh, that's a very interesting story. Yeah. A lot mistranslated or misinterpreted story. Oh, as well. big time. Yeah. yeah. People don't get what what is actually happening there. Jesus. Why in the world would Jesus do that to that woman? What yeah. in the world is he saying? Because he tells her, he's like, the gifts I have are for the children of Israel, not for dogs, not for dogs. <laughs> And so, in basic, Did he just call that woman a dog. Yeah, basically, he calls her a dog. <laughs> but the but the reaction, I think, I think what Jesus was doing was he was making a statement um, to draw in his disciples, right? Because that's what his disciples were doing. Leave leave him alone. This, yeah. you know, you're just a Gentile. Yeah, we are greater. We're following this right. teacher, and and so he uh, he basically echoes what they were thinking. Right. right, that 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 I've come here for the children of Israel, and uh, she comes back with such a wise reply that even d- dogs get the scraps. Yeah, don't the don't the puppies, you know, in in the the uh, original Greek implied, you know, puppies yeah. don't they don't they eat the scraps that fall from the table? Like I'm nothing, and I understand I'm nothing, and I just want what's left. If I can have just a taste. Of what you have to offer, and that's what Jesus asked of all of us. Sure, right? He wants us all to have that attitude, and so that's why I see, you know, in my mind's eye, this huge grin come across his face when she says this, because that's whenever he says, "You um, have a greater faith." Once again, he does the same yeah. type of thing. You, you have the greatest faith I've seen that's here, right. and it is so like, oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so once again, Jesus was constantly doing this. Uh, he went to Nazareth. He, he was preaching to his hometown. And uh, they get mad and start getting ready to throw him off a cliff. Right. Why? Because he starts talking about uh, he starts about Elijah giving uh, a healing uh, this woman right. that was uh, a Gentile. Right. And he talks about Naaman, who was a Gentile. Right. So he was sticking them with sure. this with the, hey God helps the Gentiles. Right. And so um, so Jesus was constantly. Uh, had a message for the Gentiles. Uh, it is also cool to note that where was Jonah when the story begins? Well, let me see. Uh, Look there in chapter, chapter one, one, verse uh, two. Is that right? It says, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil that has come before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa Aha. and found a ship that was going to Tarshish. Okay, so he was in Joppa. Joppa, yeah. Okay, or he went down to Joppa. So right. the story begins in Joppa. At, at Joppa. Well, Joppa is actually in the New Testament, too. There's this cool thing that happens in the book of Acts. Okay. Whenever um, Peter is hanging out at Joppa. And some messengers from a centurion named Cornelius come to visit. Oh, yeah. And when they come to visit him, he is in the midst of a vision. Yeah, that's right. This, Seeing the sheet come down and yes. at, full of the unclean animals, and God says, arise and eat. And he's like, nope. He's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, yep. <laughs> right. So what was the whole point of the vision? Gentiles. Yeah, acceptance of the Gentiles. That's right. And so here we have at Joppa, once again, a mission that leaves from Joppa going out to right. the Gentiles. So we see his parallel uh, continues to, to, to happen here. Um, there is an interesting thing here that happens in verse 6 of the first chapter. So uh, he gets on this boat. He heads off in the opposite direction. We don't exactly know where Tarshish was. Uh, there's all kinds of, of theories about it. Uh, most likely, it was in Spain, okay, uh, which was outside of pretty much the known world there. Right. So this was about as far as you could sail yeah, from right. Nineveh. He's trying um, to yeah, <clears throat> get as far away. So if, if, if he, he's, he's on this boat, they go out into the open sea, and all of this torrential rain and and wind starts to feel like texas comes up yes <laughs> okay so right now, now we've got a prophet on a boat in the middle of, of of the sea and this huge storm comes up right and and it's tossing about once again this sounds very familiar doesn't it yeah and wait it even says that jonah is where in the in the hole. Hole. What's he doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so, and the captain says in, in chapter one, verse six, the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Do you not know we're going to die? <laughs> Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Yeah. Do you not care that we perish? Yeah. 
This is very similar to uh, actually what happens to Jesus whenever they're in the Sea of Galilee. He is sleeping on the boat during the middle of a storm. And in Mark 4, verse 38, it says he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Right. Same same type of situation uh, happening here. Okay, so um, Jonah is doing this out of out of out of uh, fear and selfishness, right? And his um, whenever he realizes other people's lives are at stake, he actually has a moment of clarity. Yeah, and uh, he has a moment of conviction, and he becomes a willing sacrifice. Oh, that's so good. He says to them in um, chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. Um, wait a minute, sorry. No, he uh, says I in chapter have 1 still. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Verse 12. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Yes. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that the great tempest has come upon you. Correct. So, yes. So they pick him up, and he and he is willing to, to allow them to toss him into the sea. Right. Um, they actually don't want to do it. Right. It's so amazing. The sailors have greater faith at this yeah. point, really. Than, like, dude, than, we're not going to throw you in the sea. Come on, <laughs> come on. But they, in fact, they pray, don't let this sin right. be on our charge, right? The right. people who kill him, there's a prayer being offered that the, that the people that are killing him, the sin won't be put to their charge. Those Pontius Pilots. Sounds just like something that happened to Jesus as well, <laughs> only this time it was Jesus asking for them. Right. Don't hold this to their oh, charge. Oh, yeah, that's true. He said, they know not what they do. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you continue to see this, this uh, happen. Jesus was a willing sacrifice in John 10, verse 18. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received of my Father. Okay, so then we get to the main thing that Jesus uses. Right. When we read that in Matthew 12, 40, he said, you're going to get this sign, that just like Jonah was in the, the great fish for three days and three nights, so likewise I will be... Uh, in the grave three days and three nights. So right. that is an obvious tie of something that happens. Um, Jonah chapter 2. Yep. Uh, verse 5 through 6, he says, The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deeps surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit. Okay, so there's some cool things I want to, to bring out about this passage. First off, the if you read uh, what is often called Jonah's psalm or uh, the prayer that, that Jonah offers from the belly of the fish, yeah, it has this, this sound to it that he keeps using metaphors that are in the Hebrew culture as symbols of death right so ever so first off he says uh that he called out to the lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of shale i cried 
Right. Okay. Sheol is the place of the dead. Is the place of the dead. Sure. It is uh, translated as hell in the King James. Right. Uh, so he is is comparing this to the place of the dead. Uh, there is another metaphor for dying in uh, in the Hebrew vernacular, and that is to go down constantly. In uh, in this story up to this point, we read of Jonah going down. Right. He went down to Joppa. He went down in the ship. He went down into the depths. And now from from the belly of the whale or the fish, he cries out here. Right. And so you have this this symbology of dying, going down. Uh, the waters closed in about me to take my life. Hmm. The deep surrounded me uh the bars closed upon me forever yes okay so it was often thought in the hebrew vernacular that hades sheol the place of the dead was a place that had that held people captive right they were prison bars they right there was prison bars around them uh we see this one example in the new testament where it talks about jesus going and quote-unquote preaching to the souls which were imprisoned right talking about the dead and that is uh, is what we have symbology happening here. Sure. The question is, here, did Jonah die? Because <laughs> I know that's not in the storybooks at all. No, it's not. And it's not in the tradition. No, it's not in the tradition at all. It, but it, it, number one, it doesn't take away from the story at all. If he did, and then he, he was revived by God. Right. Uh, and actually, it would... It would it's add still miraculous. To In fact, type. it's more miraculous because he's being resurrected. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so um, it doesn't really much matter, but it adds power to Jesus' statement right. that this was a comparison of him. Right. Uh, if he actually did die and was resurrected. Right. It would also make sense uh, from the standpoint of because this story gets all kinds of of uh Speculators going, this can't be real. This has to be a work of fiction. It's- I mean, what kind of giant fish could swallow up Noah and, you know? Yeah, or Jonah. Or, sorry, Jonah. <laughs> wow. What kind of giant fish could swallow up uh, Jonah and spit him back on yeah. the dry land three days later? So let's let's talk about some of those specifics for a minute. Okay. Yeah. So um, of what it could be, what it couldn't be, or, or, or whatever. It's okay. Let's talk about the fish itself for a minute. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there a fish that this would work for? Obviously, the tradition uses a whale. Yeah. And actually, the King James in the New Testament uses the word whale. whale. Right. Okay. So, is it, do, you, do we think this is a whale? It could have been. Could It could have been. Right. It would have to be a specific whale, I would think, because baleen whales could not, like a blue whale could not work. Right. Because baleen whales have this huge mesh in their in their face <laughs> yeah that they just filter uh was it uh, brine brine and that's how they eat right okay uh however we have stories like moby dick yeah that use sperm whale right there now sperm whale's a huge whale it has a mouth yeah granted it's kind of a small mouth but if it was a big enough whale it might actually be big enough for a man sure. to fit into uh megalodon Megalodon's a shark, <laughs> a prehistoric shark, which uh, that would be very easy to to figure out because right. uh, a megalodon 
is like the equivalent of a great white times 10 or whatever. Right. So um, if it's... Imagine a, a great white the size of a semi-truck. Right. It wouldn't even need to bite him. No. It would just open up swallow. Yeah. Um, so that could happen. <laughs> the whale also has... Uh, there's some scientific things we could lean on on a whale. For example, a whale's a mammal. It has to get air. So, so if we assume that... Jonah didn't die in the whale. Right. He very easily could have been kept alive via the oxygen the whale was going to the surface to consume. Sure. Um, he also um, would have been warm-blooded, so it would have kept him from dying of hypothermia or right. any other things that you could die of you know, in this process. Um, or let's assume it was a megalodon or some other big fish that simply swallowed him. Right. Uh, yes, he wouldn't be able to breathe. Yes, none of these type of things. But it's okay if he dies. Yeah. It still works. Right. It, it all still works. So anyway. Um, but beyond that, to the naysayers of the story. Yeah. My answer is, it's God. <laughs> right. I mean, they... Doesn't matter. Naysay the virgin birth. Yeah. Naysay yeah. the resurrection. They say, I mean, it's This God. is the man who spoke things into existence. Exactly. He, he can, can't do this? He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> So okay, fine. It's it's physically impossible. I know. Isn't God awesome? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but okay. So here's one thing I think is cool uh, that ties off also to Jesus a little bit. What happens whenever uh, God has mercy upon Jonah and saves him? I love the way it's phrased. Verse ten, <laughs> and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Yeah, it didn't just spit him out. <laughs> It vomited him out. <laughs> this has an implication, at least to me. The fish couldn't keep it in. He could not keep him in. Right. Right? Projectile He vomited. was vomit. When, when you vomit things that you can't keep in, <laughs> you can't. If, when that really starts to happen to you, <laughs> you can't stop that from happening. It's going to push out whatever it wants to push out. I think that out. happened to a uh, truck stop burrito I had one time. <laughs> it was my Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> projectile Jonah and uh, oh man I've got too many w- w- stories that I'm not going there <laughs> we need to do a theonauts on that yes okay. no I'm joking okay so <laughs> if we read Acts 2 verse 24 it says God raised him up loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it right death couldn't hold him just as the whale fish, whatever it was, could not hold Jonah. Okay, so then uh, I I really kind of believe from what I can study, studied so far, you might find something more. If so, call in and let us know. I really think the Jesus parallel ends in chapter three. Well, yeah, you have this shift, this paradigm shift in the Jesus parallel, Mm -hmm. and then it shifts to another parallel. Jonah only almost becomes somebody else. Right. right. Oh, right. by the way, uh, we forgot to mention the name Jonah means dove. Yes. Yes. Um, which is a, a, of course, a symbol of of uh, of Christ or a symbol of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Right. Right. And uh, and so you see that as a symbol of a messenger. So imagine it like this, right? Christ uh, comes, he dies, buried, resurrection, mm-hmm. and he leaves. But he leaves us on earth. And he's in us, so he's Christ 
AD, right? Right, right. And uh, and so it's almost <laughs> like the paradigm shifts in Jonah, too. Right. And something else happens entirely and shows how stupid Jonah is. Like, right, completely right, right. Terrible. And, and, of course, Jonah had a lot of faults up to this oh, point. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's not to say that it's, this that isn't it's a perfect a, It's analogy. not a one for one. No, it's there not. Are, it's, that's why it's a type. Right. It's not, it's not complete one to one. Everything breaks down. There are shadows in it. Yeah. Right. So, um, but if we look at what happens in chapter three, the people repent at the word right. of Jonah. So in Jonah three, verse four through five, it says Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. So they turned and repented because of this. Right. In Matthew 4, verse 7, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hmm. So just as, as people are repenting and still turning because of what Jesus is teaching, we have the same thing that happened right. in Nineveh. However... <clears throat> then uh, Jonah's true fallen nature is is shown forth in the fourth chapter. Oh, yeah. So before we go into the fourth chapter, though, let's go back now and look at Jonah a little bit different, from a different perspective. Okay. Instead of him, Instead of him being a type of Christ, he's a type of something else. Yeah. And what would that be? A type of person. He's a type of. He, he is a. He is a fallen individual. That's right. <laughs> and and we can and we can surely relate to him. Sure. And that's what is so cool about a lot of Old Testament stories. Right. Is that they give us faulty heroes. Yeah. Flawed heroes. Jonah's a definite anti-hero. Hero. Yes. I mean, he's a guy who does not want the job. He's a reluctant prophet. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but whenever he gets it, he's ticked off whenever it works yes he never did he never does really get it um first off let's talk about jonah's mindset here the very first of it uh jonah uh one verse three says but jonah rose to flee to tarshish from the presence of the lord and he went down to joppa and we you know read all that about him getting the ship so the first thing he does when god tells him to go do this job is to flee yeah okay uh well let's look at what god was trying to Possibly what God may have been trying to do in all this. Um, he is trying to uh, get his plan to work with Israel. Okay, Jeroboam the second is a long way from yeah. uh, where it finally ended up with Jeconiah. So um, there's a lot that needed to transpire. God had to hold back these Assyrians. Yeah. Now, he could have just put a wall there you know, or whatever. But God is so cool because God formulates things and places things so that they, right. they run in his will. Sure. Okay, so if part of his job here was to tell Jonah, go to Nineveh because I need a delay. I need them to, right. I need them to, right. to change. Uh, he didn't tell Jonah that. He told Jonah, go tell them that you're, they're going to get theirs, that they, I'm about, to, I'm about to, to go medieval on them. Right. <laughs> so, so um, but we get a little more insight in chapter four as to what Jonah was thinking whenever this happened. Sure. In Jonah four, verse two through three, it says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country, that this is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and merciful 
slow to anger, <laughs> and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Now, therefore, O oh Lord, please take my life from Just me. Just kill me, God. For it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> I don't want these dirty mudbloods <laughs> repenting. Okay, so well, let's stop and think about this for a minute. This was in his mind all along. Yeah. He he didn't want to go to we've all I always heard and always thought going when whenever I would read this story that he was scared of, for his life. That you he know, didn't want to go into this huge enemy city. You know, and I heard that too all and, growing and, up. And start shouting, you know, about God and f- feared that they might kill him. Huh. But that really I don't think was the fear. There was a different type of fear. Yeah. He was afraid that they would repent. Right. He was afraid that God would have mercy on them. Right. Now, well, it is his thought process is probably, okay, why in the world would God send me to warn these people unless... If there wasn't a change that there, could happen. Yeah, if there wasn't a change that could happen. I ain't going to warn them. I'm just going to go hide until God destroys them. <laughs> right? right, right. Okay, so one of the things that is important to note is something that um, was probably in Jonah's mind in reference to this. Jonah was a prophet. Okay, now the Old Testament tells us if a prophet says something and that doesn't happen and that doesn't come true. Oh, yeah, that's right. Then he is no longer a prophet. That's right. He's no longer because his his he's been discredited. Yep. Okay. So Jonah knew that if he went and told them what God told him to tell him and then he knew in his mind, he's thinking, what if God has mercy on them after this? Yeah. Well, then. What I told them will not happen. Right. And therefore, I will be discredited. So it's a selfish fear. And it's really interesting. Why in the world didn't God send him a message or didn't he use the message, uh, change it a little bit? If you repent, however, God will not destroy you. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But God sends but him, God a gave him a very message. specific message. And I think that was partly because we needed to see what Jonah's reaction would be. Right. God, God needed us to see this story. Yeah, and and he knew that, that he was just fallen enough that he, that this would have happened. Right. Um, so let's think about us for a second. Sure. Whenever God, even before, let's let's take this even before salvation occurs or whatever. Let's let's look at it as how do people respond to to to. Uh, preaching or or whatever there's this fear that exists there yeah and it's almost like i've even heard people say that i didn't want to listen because it just might be true and if i had to listen to it then sure i might have to believe it type it's like, of thing it's like getting not, not wanting to go to the doctor or getting bad news because you're afraid you right you know you have cancer exactly. and you don't want them to hear hear from him yeah and like uh, you know there's a, a situation going on right now with some of our friends in haiti there's a woman there Who's got cancer? Well, that's right. And yeah. she won't go to the doctor because she's afraid what the doctor's going to tell her. Right. And so she's just sitting at home crying. Yeah. And this is this is the same type of thing I see. This is a human attribute. It's like out of sight, out of mind. If right. if it's not there, I I can hide from it. It's it's one of our basis instincts, right? Playing peekaboo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. If you know that something is is probably going to happen, if you listen or if you if you take action on it. Then sometimes that can draw us away from it, right? And I think that's that's what we see here in Jonah. Uh, he runs from this. Obviously, um, he takes off and and goes 
complete opposite way as far as and fast as he could go. Yeah. Um, what does Paul tell us in Romans? All have turned aside. Together we've all become worthless. No one does good, not even one. We've all turned away. We all right. turn aside. We're all running from God. Yeah. It's like that's what we naturally want to do is run from God. Yeah. Until we can um until we reach a place of despair. So what did Jonah what happened to him finally whenever he was in all of this uh <laughs> mess? He's on the boat. It's it's about to to wreck and he knows he's he's gonna not only cost himself his life, but also the lives of the people that are on the he boat. Repents. It's 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 a despair. Yeah. Right? And uh and it seems like that's where human nature will lead us because we will fall into the traps of our own sins. Right. And we end up in a place of despair. It really is a pretty good conversion story at, at up to a point because you do have this where you're going down and you are you, it, you keep going down, right. right? You keep dying every day. You're dying more and more away from God until you hit the bottom. <laughs> and it's almost at that point whenever you can actually convert, when you actually decide, I'm just going to die. Right. And you die to yourselves. And what, what did Jesus tell us in Matthew 10? He says, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So Jesus isn't necessarily talking about physical death as much as he is talking about a spiritual death. That's right. Or a a mental death. Yeah. So just as Jonah subjects himself to a death, we must That's subject right. ourselves to death. Amen. And be willing to die to ourselves and be willing to uh to to then be resurrected in Christ. And that takes repentance. What happens in the Psalm of of Jonah? He repents. <laughs> That's right. He he apologizes, and he's not even. What I really like about that whole passage is that he thanks God for saving him when he's still while he's in the belly of the beast. Right. He's yeah. not been delivered. Right. Why in the world is he thanking God <laughs> for being in the fish? Right. <laughs> and and I, you know, as much as we hate on Jonah. That's a very admirable place where Jonah, Jonah sure. ended up to the place to where he could thank God even in his despair. Right. And so there was a repentance that happens there. Um, and, and so whenever he comes out of the belly of the whale, when he's vomited on, on dry land, um, God then tells him, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so the minute he is resurrected... And he is changed to something totally different. What is the call? Go evangelize. That's right. Go preach. Go send the message. So what did Jesus tell us to do? What was the last things he, he told us to do there in the book of Matthew? Go forth and make disciples. Yeah. Go and, and, and teach others everything I've commanded you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. So, um, so you have the same call. Right. And it's like... Um, you know, there's a band out there called Jonah 33, and that's where they got their name, huh. was this verse, Jonah 3, verse 3, and where it says, uh, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Huh. <laughs> so this is like, all right, <laughs> no more argument. 
Here we go. I'm, I'm going to go straight uh, straight there. And uh, so we're called uh, to this. There's another interesting theory here uh, about why they repented. Because think about this for a minute. you got one guy. He's about to walk through this huge city. A city of 120,000. Yeah. You know? And it says it was three days for him to walk through it. Right. Now... The size of that city wasn't that big. I mean, it was big, but it wasn't three days' journey from one side to the other. Right. Which meant he spent time going through the city, yeah, making Preaching. sure people heard this message. Right. His message was, 40 days, and God's going to go medieval on you. Right. <laughs> and that's really all it was. And so, but one of the things that's interesting to note is um, the word for fish in um was it chapter one or chapter two whenever the fish comes the word for fish is dag in the hebrew dag dag and it doesn't necessarily mean fish it doesn't necessarily mean whale it means a beast of the of the of the ocean okay okay so there was a ancient god Hmm. that the assyrians worshipped by the name of dagon yeah dagon dagon is the is the fish god Right. So they worship this thing that swallowed Jonah. Now, let's think about this for a minute. This thing spit him onto the dry ground. And what does it say happened? He arose and went to Nineveh. Right. Doesn't say anything about a bath. No. (laughs) This dude's been in the belly of of a dag for three days. Right. And three nights. And you can imagine what he looked like, what he smelt like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, right. This guy's walking through town saying, I'm a messenger of God. What? Who do they know of as God? Dagon. Dagon. And all of a sudden, you've got a guy who smells like fish, reeks of fish. There may have even been some story as to how he got there and where he came from. Right. That might have even been close to what actually happened. Wow. That he came from a fish or whatever. So there's all kinds of, of reasons why this would have been powerful huh. and why it would have changed him. Okay, so all that stuff aside, let's talk about chapter four for a minute. Okay. So he does exactly what you said. He does his message. He goes up and he sits and he gets a good view and nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> and he's upset. He tells God, hey, I was afraid this was going to happen. I knew. What, what else is going on here in our human condition that Jonah is falling prey to? Oh, man. Uh, selfishness? Yes. Uh, pride? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, overall disdain mm-hmm. for others? I mean, yeah. just. Uh, well, think of it. You said pride. One of the biggest problems that plagues even our churches is pride. Religious pride. Oh, yeah. Right? And religious pride is nothing new. Religious pride is something that was all over the New Testament. Right. We have all these passages about, you know, quit giving the guy the best seat who has the best robe. And and you know all those those passages there. Right. They they, they, he James calls that sin. Yeah. And if you are uh, uh, putting others above others, 
or putting certain ones above others, then then that that is sinful. Jonah didn't like those dirty fish slappers. He, he thought <laughs> right. they were disgusting. And they're Dagon know. worshipers, right? They're not they're not Hebrews. Right. Why in the world would Jonah be sent to a a group of Dagon worshipers and not God worshipers? Yeah. So now you've got God uh, having mercy on people that aren't of the faith. That's right. And he also has uh, God discrediting him of his prophetship. And uh, so if we put ourselves in that position as humans, we should we should empathize. Yeah. I mean, we really should. Most definitely, yeah. I mean, this would be, you know, the equivalent of God telling us to go to some Muslim nation as Christians and tell, and then they go, okay, God, we're sorry, and God has mercy on them. Right. We, what would we do? Wait a minute. You're supposed to destroy them. Yeah, or even the other side, we would go as far as to say, well, they're not going to church with us. They, they, we haven't done. They haven't gone through our rituals. They haven't. You know, I mean, we would start. Right. We would. We would have a fit because we've done all this stuff. Sure. And it's. I, I like to call this the older brother syndrome. Yes. Which, which of the uh, prodigal son. Right. The prodigal son story. Because that's exactly what happened. Which is what that whole story is about, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About the older son, you know, just being overall having a disdain for the younger son because here, you know, here he's been faithful this whole time. Right. And yet this younger son, you know, he goes out and does whatever he wants and then he gets a feast when he comes back. How dare he? And whenever you really think about it, it all kind of it all kind of boils down to unity. Yeah. Because God's wanting us to accept others that accept him. Right. Instead of being condemning of each other and saying, well, wait a minute, you're, you, oh, you're not part of us. You're <laughs> not part of me. You can't, you can't take part in this. And that's kind of how, you know, well, why are they throwing that guy a party? You right. know, he hasn't, been, he hasn't been honorable like I have. You know, he hasn't stood by you. He hasn't sure. done all these great things. Anyway, so... It, it, the 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 chapter ends on I mean the book ends on a very down note. We don't really know where Jonah ended up. Right. We can assume Jonah wrote the book, <laughs> which maybe that tells you where he ended up finally. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> if you're going to admit all that and if you're going to tell that story, then I guess you know you had to be in a decent place to write that. Yeah. Well, it ends with a question that God asks. <laughs> right. Right. Jonah. Yeah. Which is hilarious, right? So there's this plant that grows up to give Jonah shade, and it says that Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. Uh, but when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm to attack the plant, and it mm-hmm. withered. <laughs> right? As the sun rose, uh, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah that he was faint. <laughs> and he asked that he might die and said, It's better for me to die than to live. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? In other words, are you angry because of a plant? Right. And Jonah's like, Yes, I do well to be angry at the plant. <laughs> and God's like, You're angry because of a the plant died, but you're not you're not angry that hundred and twenty thousand people might have died. Right. And all their cattle and livestock. Well, and part part of the point there he also makes is that you didn't do anything to to earn that plant. Exactly. You I made it. I can take it away. You didn't plant it. You didn't water it. You right. didn't cultivate it. I did all that. 
and you're going to be upset. And so I guess part of the point that that he makes to Jonah here is is a, a lesson on grace. Yeah. And that is you got something you didn't deserve. Right. And and maybe you should be a little thankful. Yeah, over of that. and over you got something and, you didn't and, deserve. And understand that I only did it by my and, and, and take this all the way back to the fish thing. What did Jonah do to earn his way out of the fish? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, once again. Right. I mean, you can say that, yeah, he repented. In fact, he did the exact opposite to earn his 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 life. He, you know, he disobeyed God completely, and yet God had grace on Jonah all the all the way through. Mm-hmm. I you know, I so, wonder, so I can have grace on on you, but I can't have grace over there on those guys. Right. And it's just to point out to us that, look, it's not about you. Right. Because sometimes when I think we get there, we get like, I've got all the answers. I've got the truth. I've got this and this and this. It's all about me. So our call is to be the, a good Jonah, to arise and go to Nineveh and then <laughs> celebrate yes. with the Ninevites. Yes. Or perhaps even throw it in. Maybe you should try to repent, guys. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, so. uh, if you repent. This might happen. And you know what? That would have made him a true prophet, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's not its not even a happy ending for the Ninevites, because this isn't the end of the story. No, it's not. Uh, part two is go read the book of Nahum. Nahum was also a prophet to Nineveh. Right. But his prophecy actually happened, and it was, you're going to get totally annihilated, dude, yeah. by the Babylonians. And that's... That's exactly that's what, happened what happened to him. Yeah. So... Man, uh, I always wonder, you know, this ends on a question with God, it, a question that God asks Jonah. I always wonder what Jonah's response was after this. You know what I mean? It was probably, hmm, I think I'll write a book. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> All but right, it, so <laughs> you ready to do some trivia? Yeah, let's do it. Been adding that each time just for, yeah. I don't know why. That's great. It's great. So, uh, where are you at? Okay, I am on uh, names. All right. Who? I've asked this to you. First, Go to the next one. That's old. This might be tough for you. Okay. <laughs> for whom did Moses work as a shepherd after fleeing Egypt for murder? Actually, maybe. Trying to think of his name. Starts with a J. It does. Um, it is Zipporah's dad. It is Zipporah's dad. (laughs) That's not good enough. No. Uh, Joe, uh, no, Je- Je- uh, Je- Je- Jethro, <laughs> Jethro. <laughs> so I'll take a buzz on that. You know, and this one has Jethro and Rule, R E U E L. I don't even know who that is. Mm. Is that maybe his wife? Maybe. maybe. That's weird. I don't know. Okay, I am on prophecies. Yes, you are. What number appears? Oh, this is. You can get this one. I think. 
Okay. Thank you. What number appears most frequently in the book of Revelation? Seven. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, so you're tied with me now. Yes. (laughs) Okay, I got... Names again. Names again. Success. Who was Malchus? <laughs> he was the guy who got his ear cut off. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I think I actually had that question in reverse, you know, one time before, and I missed it. Oh, really? <laughs> it's like, who was the guy who got his ear cut off? Uh, mm. <laughs> that's pretty good. Okay, so you're you're on names now. Yes. Okay. Who died in the Old Testament when his bowels fell out? <laughs> I love this story. Eglon. <laughs> what? <laughs> nope, not the right story. But that, that happened. <laughs> he died whenever his uh, the knife was embedded into him and got left in him, remember? Yeah, but then it said, and the bowels came out. Oh, did it? Or uh, actually, it's... Jehoram is um, the one that it actually is, re- is talking about. Second Chronicles... 21 and I was so confident 12 Dead go so, Yes Oh All right Dude It's been a whale f- Of a fun time Yes it has <laughs> I don't know But that's... all things Must come to an end That's right Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, join us at gctnetwork.com or theonautspodcast.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and stay up to date with all the latest from our other shows, including Michael and Brendan over at Finding Christ in Cinema. This week featuring Back to the Future. (laughs) I'm back. Okay. <laughs> there are several ways to contact us and to leave us feedback. Send us an email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Oh, you got it right that time. I did. Call us on our voicemail line like Brendan did, 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast por- portal or catcher. And don't forget to leave us comments there and rate us. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Insta at Theonauts. <laughs> Don't forget to tune in again to explore the vast reaches of God's word with us. Yes. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Peace out, David. All right. God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your great commission. This is your great commission transmission. At GCTnetwork.com. This is your great commission transmission.